0: today in the attorney career advice podcast with harrison barnes
1: there's a couple things that i think are important in any situation then you have firms that represent individuals who never say that you want to make a certain amount of money so you I have, have to do that to get information thanks for all the questions again this is just great people are uh, how can i have desire to wait for more super dollar okay so short-term positions again uh you can certainly do that um I don't know how long, if you're a law student, if you're a a practicing attorney asking this, but the need for immediate employment, what does that mean? That means you're basically saying you want to get a job that's better. You think you can. Can you get a short-term position? So here's the answer to that question. So if you're very focused on doing something like a certain practice area, a certain type of work, and you concentrate on that and you focus on it, how things work, you will eventually um, get that position. It's just how, how it works. You'll, you'll, your mind will work you into something like that. But if you're not getting a, a position, a certain type of job, you may just not be qualified for it. You, there, there may not be mark. You may not have the, the background yet. You may not have applied to enough trademark attorney jobs in Los Angeles. And there were none. So she got one interview, I think, in Greenberg, Buster or something. They had a job, but that was the only job there was. And there was nothing going on in Silicon Valley because the market was just crashed. Office buildings were, anyway, so it was bad. So the jobs she could get were offered were like insurance defense, like completely different than what she was doing. Like she was not getting the type of jobs that she wanted. And so she ended up leaving the practice of law and coming to work for me and actually was exceptional at that job. and very happy. But the point is that sometimes if you want to continue practicing law, you may not get the jobs you want and you may need to, look at multiple markets or search more for a position. Uh, but you, you, it's, there's nothing wrong with not getting um, the job that you want. But you have to take what you can get to stick, stay in the profession. And that's actually better than having a gap or, or doing nothing. A lot of questions. Usually I'm a little bit more up in these presentations, but you know, for some reason I'm a little tired today to hear. Let's see. I've encountered situations where job offers seem ideal. Um, paper don't feel right in practice how can i assess whether the job aligns with my values personal satisfaction so that's a good question so there's a couple things that i think are important in any position that you're looking at the one of the questions that you should ask not necessarily in the interviews but you should figure out the answer to is what happened to the person or what happened to people that i'm replacing where do people go after working here? That those are great questions because sometimes you'll see that everyone that goes to work there goes on to great things. Other times you'll see that they just crash and burn. Like it's really bad. So I got a lot. I worked at a firm that's no longer in business called Dewey Valentine in Los Angeles. And I got there and I realized that it was a New York firm that no longer exists, but I got there and I realized that the people that worked there were just having incredible career meltdowns after working there, like just awful things were happening. Like one woman got at Columbia Law School, is now a waitress. And not a like problem being a waitress, but just so battle scarred by the place there. And, and so even though the firm paid incredible amounts of money for Los Angeles, I think that firm was Scadlin had salaries that were like 50% of everybody else's. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a good place. So a lot of times to, to get an, a, a feeling of the firm, the biggest thing that I think is when you're interviewing with a firm, like what is the, What is the? Do you feel connected to people? Do you feel like the people will will look out for you? Do you feel like it's a place where you can have a really good future? Or does it just feel like, are you getting a a bad vibe? And that vibe usually will tell you, even though the pay is high, will tell you really where where it's going to go. And that that would be my advice, is just to get a real good sense of what the vibe is and how that makes you feel and, and go from there. This is a long question. What is the value of changing practice areas and even started from the bottom if law firms won't take one? Okay. Secondly, as an immigrant, my foreign law are not accepted for legal license rights in America. Frustrating, as even paralegal jobs are not being offered. They keep saying our no, no, U.S. work experience, high country experience, thirty-two years to the bar. Um, okay, so the biggest thing is if you're not, if in order, ever anybody can get hired. You just have to, you have to find someone that will hire you. So. If you're just sending resumes out, that becomes very difficult uh, to get get a position. So, what does that mean? If you can't get a position, that means that you just you apply to enough places where you're going to get a job. So, someone um, will look at your background and will say they they will say they will say that this person will work inexpensively for me. or I'm taking a chance on you. Take a chance on. So, what does that mean? If you're a solo practitioner and you apply to work with them. And you say I'll work for twenty-five dollars an hour, some ridiculous amount. Then that person will hire you and give you experience because that's the only, that's the only kind of person they can afford. So you just anybody that's in a position where um, you're not getting jobs at the best firms, the best firms if you want to be a paralegal, they may get they make, they can hire U.S. paralegals with U.S. skills all day. So why would they hire you? Uh, and it's not to be offensive, but they, what's their incentive? You need to make Everybody needs to start at the bottom if you're not getting something, and then you can work your way up from there. That's just how it works. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but I am saying that the more places you apply to the more people you meet and then the further down you're willing to go in the pecking order, the better off you're going to be. So this is actually a good lesson for everybody on this call about when you're saying what kind of firms can I get jobs at. So these are the these are top one percent of all law firms in terms of university top, you know maybe one half or one percent. Of, of law firms, These are things like Wachtel, Kerbath, that sort of stuff that are pretty much impossible to get jobs at. And that's how it works. So you have the top half, half of 1% and probably the top one-tenth of 1%, or just, these are real kind of rare uh, places to get a position in. and that, and then you have your AMLAW 100 and 200 firms, which would be like four. So what, what do those firms do? Those firms represent the biggest businesses. I know, and that's what they do. Watel and Cravath represent that the company matters the most sophisticated and the most important matters. And then these represent the biggest businesses, and these represent typically these are middle market firms doing representing businesses, but and mainly representing mainly businesses and, and what else we have been and in a few maybe a few individuals. And then these firms are representing individuals. And then these are representing individuals by the lot.
0: Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today.
1: So this is actually very important for everyone to understand. So these firms are pretty much impossible to get. You can't even lateral into them. So that's not a good option if you're looking for a job. These firms, the AmLaw 100, represent the biggest businesses. These firms charge a lot of money to, and they pay a lot of money. And they're very difficult to get jobs at, and these would probably represent like um, the top top five percent of all law. Are you going to get a, maybe five, maybe a little more? Uh, but it's just there's even there are a thousand people in them. I would even say top two percent. Um, these are these are just very hard to get jobs at, and you can, but they're very difficult. So everyone thinks they need to work in the top two percent of law firms, which is just crazy me. Why would you? Might even be less than top two percent, and then you have these middle market firms, which are Mid-sized firms—they might have like a 25-person firm in the, uh, Arkansas. They're just—they they're, represent businesses, mainly local businesses. They don't charge as much money. Uh, it's the AmLaw 100 law firms, so they're only two, and, and sometimes they represent companies. And so these firms uh, are also difficult because they're representing companies, and the bigger the company, the better the work is supposed to be. That's just how it works. You have—you can spend as much time as you want on something to get the best result, and that's how they work. But there's, these are also difficult to get jobs with. So that's just how it works. So you have these ones, And then you have firms that represent individuals and small businesses. These firms do not charge a lot of money. So they might be immigration, insurance defense. And I, I'm sorry for giving this such a long explanation here for everyone on the call, but it's very important. And they tend to have lower hiring standards because their clients, do not have a lot of money, and they can't pay a lot of money. So the clients don't have a lot of money. Maybe criminal, whatever. It's usually personal injury kind of stuff. So these firms do not pay a lot. They they have lower hiring standards, and that's because individuals do not have a lot of money. And these people that are being represented most of the time won't even ask where you went to law school. It just doesn't even matter to them. I mean, there. And then this one is individuals without much money at all, and these people will do. They can still do immigration or other trusting the states would be one the people without a lot of money in this kind of stuff. So there's nothing wrong um with, with this. They certainly aren't they won't do corporate law or anything like that. So what does it mean when you're searching for a job? This could be immigration, traffic tickets, tickets, just stuff where the people don't have a lot of money to spend. So when you're working at a when you're looking for a position in a law firm, your ability to get the job will be based on the type of firm that you're applying to so, so this one is individual a lot of money so if i was this person and you're having a hard time getting a job you certainly don't want to apply to these firms you certainly want to apply to these firms you can start applying to these firms but the best one to do is to apply to people firms that don't have a lot of money solo practitioners just doing small matters of walking the door small criminal matters and this is this is could be family law or so this is the secret of anybody that's this can be family law too, but you know, this is the secret of anyone that's having a hard time getting a job. You're just you just need to move down the line. And if you get to the individuals who don't have a lot of money, these firms will always hire you, especially if you are willing to work for nothing and very little money. I'm not saying you should, but the idea is you can start out at the bottom and everyone can move up. I've seen people start at firms like this. I had one guy I know that he didn't he didn't get an offer as a summer associate he went to i think michigan law school and he was very upset and then he took the bar and he failed he was very upset and and then he lost his first job that wasn't even a good firm because he failed the bar and then he came back and got a job at another firm like this and then he did really well there he actually started building a book of business then he was able to get a job at a three firm which is pretty awesome because he was so committed and so focused on his practice area. And then he moved to a NAMLA firm and he did really well there. And he started building, this guy is in New York. He started building like a big book of business. I don't know how he did it, but he was so hungry and, and eager to prove something. And then he ended up moving to one of these five firms after 15 years or 20 years. So it's all possible. Like you just, but the idea is you have to start at the bottom in order to, to make to get to the top. And that's just sometimes that's what happens. You don't have the right experience, you can give the right grades. Who cares? You just move up. So this person, anyone that's from a foreign country or you're bad in law school or you're not in good shape, you just take what you can get and then you start moving up and you learn. And that's the biggest piece of advice um, I can give anybody about that. I think it's very important to do that. There's a lot of questions today. You know, when does it become appropriate to no longer be flexible? I know exactly the practice I want in the city. I understand me need to be flexible. At how dangerous is flexibility? If I take a job in a random geographic area in the practice area, vice versa, what I am not hopeful I'll be able to eventually end up where I want to be. I'm not graduating from law rank school. Okay, so this is a good example. It depends on the practice area if you're If you're commercial litigation or something, I, I don't know, but if you're in any type of transactional practice area, so what is a transactional practice here? This is important for everyone to understand. Very important. The transactional is corporate, real estate, patent prosecution. This all makes sense in a second. Patent prosecution, tax, sometimes, trusts and estates. So just things where you're dealing with kind of transactions, numbers, and things, and not things that aren't like litigation related transactional so what's nice about transactional practice areas is pretty much you can move anywhere so i've seen corporate attorneys i had one when i first started uh recruiting i was like in my first year in corporate was just going crazy and so i had this corporate candidate in like a small five-person firm in some suburb in new jersey not even not even newark or anything and and he went out to um a big firm i don't know which one it was I, I don't know i don't want to quote say the firms can make them embarrassed but it was a huge like california-based law firm and like one of the most prestigious and so this firm because there was so much corporate demand flew him out and put him in a flew his wife out with him and put him in this giant like 2,000 square foot suite in san francisco because he was so much in demand so the point is that whatever your practice area is I've seen people with real estate backgrounds. It's very easy in all these pra- in all these practice areas to move geographically. So you could take a job in a small market and move into a bigger market if you do this. And it's easiest with it's easiest with transactional practice areas. It's much harder in non-transactional practice areas, meaning litigation things like that. But but if in your transactional practice area, it's very easy to do. I probably, the camera was off. I just turned it back on, but I saw wonder someone was calling me so I apologize for that but yeah so transactional practice areas really are the, are the easiest ones to to move uh, in and and you if you take a job in a smaller market you can pretty much always move uh in the transactional practice areas I've seen patent prosecution people just move all over the country every few years I've seen Real estate people, corporate, trust in the states, all that. If you do a good job, but if you're in a transactional practice area, it's much easier to move. And you can typically move regardless of how prestigious your firm is. You can always move up. And so, just to give you an example, like trust in the states, trust in the states is done at two firms, but it's also done at three firms. It's also done at four firms because they have rich clients. And it's also even done sometimes at five firms. So, there's certain practice areas. Sometimes These big firms do family law, so you can move up there. I mean, who knows? But literally, they do. And so there's some things, some practice areas where you can continually move to different firms, depending on you can move up and down and sideways and stuff to different markets. But transactional is usually the easiest. Okay. returned to work five years ago and have a great track record. Let me see here. With respect to interview success. Let me see. Our past year I've been about I've been a dozen interviews, the only one offer. Okay. Which I turned down because the salary offer was below the salary we discussed. I'm confident in my interview skills and beginning to question myself from the recent lack of success is potentially attributable to a high salary part. Yeah, by the way, everyone that's on this call, and if you're still listening, that's very smart. Everyone's I you mean know, by sticking around, you're this is a lot of important information you're getting. So the last thing in the world, the last thing in the world. You should be worried about when you're a young attorney uh, is your salary. And I'll tell you why. You should be worried about as a young attorney. It's your salary. Why is that? You, you just you don't worry about it. It's not relevant. Why isn't it relevant? Because you're only your the law firm is training you. Like they're training you to do something. Like you show up there and you're getting trained for free. So you're getting trained for free and not only getting trained for free, but you're also getting, you're also getting, I'm sorry, you're also getting um, paid. So your first five years of, first five years of practice are are only, are only about learning. Like you're not really a competent attorney until you've had about five years of training in a law firm. So if you can stick around for five years in a law firm, you will know what you're doing. Um, and you'll be much better off. And so you have to, right. you have to really make sure that, that you're committed and and basically not worrying about your salary. It doesn't matter. Like it may matter to how you think about yourself to, to other people. It may matter how you want to be perceived by your peers. It may matter because other people are making more money. But honest to God, like you're so you start your career. So just think about this: you start your career. At, say the age of twenty-five. I'm just saying this is hypothetically, but this is what a lot of people, if they go straight through law school, with twenty-five. So, how old is Biden or Trump or people practice and work into their eighties? I know lawyers that are have been ninety years old and practicing, and I'm sure every year people like live longer and stuff. But just say hypothetically, you practice until you're eighty-five. I place people in their eighties. With huge books of business. That's see 25 to 85 is 60 years. So what why would you want to start your career and worry about how you're getting paid in your first job when you have 60 years in front of you? And, and the most important thing you can do now is learn your practice area. So don't I don't think I just want to be clear with everyone that's a young attorney is there's no reason to worry about your practice area. All you should care about is getting training and think that the training is free, because what can happen with that training? If you're trained for five years by a law firm, you are suddenly in a position where you can often set up your own firm and compete with them. You're in a position where you can move to a better firm. You're in a position where you have the ability to, to, to work in a similar firm. You have the ability to work in other markets. So no, you should not, there's no such thing as a salary requirement. If you're doing that, you are out of your mind, and I'm not telling you you're crazy, but I'm just telling you that's the last thing in the world um, you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about getting training. And if you're not, if you're sticking around and worrying about your salary and having all these requirements, that's not a good thing. So what is what do you say? What do you say when someone? What do you say when someone offers you? When what do you say? What do you say when they ask you about what your requirements are? So this is what you say. And I'll tell you how it can backfire sometimes. It's actually, I have a sad story about it, but I'll tell you that in a second. What you say is, this is the answer you always give. The answer you always give is, I would like to make the same amount as my peers in this position. That's it. That's all you have to say in this position. That's it. Position with your friend. That's it. That's all you have to say. You don't have to say, I need to make this much. I need to make that. Because if you say that, think about an employer. So I remember once I was interviewing with this firm in Century City in Los Angeles, the beautiful offices, but it was a smaller firm. And um, and at the time, I was making $180,000 a year as a third-year attorney. And this is, again, keep in mind, this is in the 1990s. Okay, so this is a long time ago. And so that was like incredibly high salary for students, probably the highest, that in SCAD or the highest salary you could make in Los Angeles in my class year. So I'm interviewing with a small firm and they ask me, what are your salary requirements? And I say, this is what I'm making. I'm happy to make 150. And the guy says, that's what our partners make. This is, again, that amount of money, that would probably be 300, 350,000 for a small firm, which is bad. but." The point is that you don't talk about your salary firms. That's the exact way not to get a job. You would have to be crazy to do that. I'm just not saying you are crazy, but you don't, anything you say to, to not get a job is going to hurt you. So you just say, I want to make the same in this as my peers in this position in the firm. I'll tell you a very sad story. Um, it's actually sad, but I had this candidate um, who's no longer alive and I really liked him. He was a, and I don't know, I connected with him. He just was a really good person, uh, just a really solid guy. And he was English and he wanted to work at a, a big firm in London that he was had dual citizenship. So it was like his mom was English or something. So he was able to get an English passport and be an English citizen. But he grew up in the United States and he was working at this big New York law firm and and wanted to go to work in London. And so I got him this job at a huge with the best law firm probably in London and and where he was in a practice area and had a very good opportunity to make partner. And, and the way it works in London at this firm is they do what's called lockstep compensations. They start you out of something and then you make partner, you make less. And the more you work there, the higher salary goes, but it doesn't even have anything to do with business. It's old school. Anyway, so you got this job and, and they were ready to make the offer. And he said, how much um, money would you like to make? And he said, or what is your salary requirements? He said, I want to, so I told him, he said, I want to make the same amount as my peers in this position with your firm. The English salaries uh, for attorneys are much lower in the United States. And so when they made him an offer, which was funny, because these English firms were like a contingent, successful physical exam and all the stuff you would never see in the U.S. They made him an offer at the English salary, which is maybe 70% or 60% of what he was making the New York firm. And he turned it down and, and it was an Good firm where he would have not had to work as hard and all these things. And, and so we stayed at this New York firm and then he worked like crazy. Like I kept checking in with him. He's he like a billion, 2,800 hours. I never stopped. And and then, like I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I, I tried to call him. And by that time, he was, he was still young. He was in his probably his late 30s and he had a heart attack and died. He sad. And I'm sure it was related with the work. And he was such a nice guy. And I really liked him. But, but the point is that sometimes it, he wanted to make a high salary at this English firm because he thought that that he should deserve what he's making in New York and that firm did pay like English securities attorneys he wasn't securities attorney was IP they did pay them uh, a high. US salary but they didn't stick around so he had this opportunity to go someplace where a firm of family was home in his country and and he didn't take it and wanted to make these high salaries so he would have been happier and stayed there so never never say that you want to make a certain amount of money
0: Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today.
1: I had another case not too long ago where I was working with a partner that was at a major, like a major U.S. law firm, and, and she was getting paid three and a half million dollars a year and didn't have to book a business. And, and she was being pushed out of the firm. So when I say pushed out, the firm was basically telling her to, to move along and your job and be you know, we, we just are not going to keep you around. That's the kind of message she was getting. So she was looking for a job and I found her a job at a really good firm, but it wasn't that um, most firms do not pay partners about business three and a half million dollars a year. And so I found her a job and and really the most I could get her, I'm not saying it's just the way the market works, is I got her a job paying like a little over a million dollars a year. And she's I, And and when I told the firm how much she made, she then she was just, they were just like, whoa and, they, and it was a really good firm and they were just like there's just no way and then she told them that was her you know requirement is to make something similar because she was reliant and so she didn't get a job and then now she's actually she ended up i think unemployed so you basically the message you say is you say i want to make the same as my peers in this position um i want to be compensated fairly according to where your peers are. and that's it you don't say my requirements are this my requirements are this and then or if the firm says if the firm comes back and they say, and we don't have anybody's position, how much would you like to make? And you say whatever you think is fair for this position, this is what I'm currently making, but I realize I don't have to make this much in a new firm. So sometimes they'll say that. But the point is, is if you make your if you make your uh job with that with the firm contingent on making a certain amount of money, then then that's just not good. You're gonna you're not gonna get all the offers you can because you need to be concentrating on getting trained and, and that's the most important, okay. Okay, so this is a good one. So his question um, is what if a HR person screens you out because they don't understand the technical requirements, the position don't realize you are actually a very good candidate. Do you see, send a link to them. Yeah, so that's a good question. So sometimes HR will screen you out, 99% of the time they're right, but sometimes they're not. You have to understand that the HR job inside of a law firm, this, this can be very difficult. Uh, because they have to find certain people but sometimes they're not screening you up for the technical requirements they just may screen you up because they know you have the background that wouldn't work you may see a job listing and think you're really good but here's an example so certain firms like will hire you if this is your first lateral move but other firms if they see you know, you've had a job for one place for one year and another on one place for one year and then you're on your third job even though you're technically competent for the position they're just like, no, sorry, we don't we, we look like a job hopper or whatever. So they may see something or maybe you're coming from in-house and wanting to work in a law firm. So it's not just they're not just screening you out because of technical requirements. It's because they're because you're not a good fit. I had something interesting happen. And I, and I think a lot of these questions, and it's very good, are about salary, getting paid the same getting paid an amount they want. They're also about technical requirements. So I had this interesting thing happen. I had this saw this resume of this woman, and she'd gone to uh, a top law school and a top college and major in electrical engineering. and And I was talking to her, and when I talk to candidates, like I try to I try to find who they are, and because I really want to communicate that to the law firm, I want to tell the law firm this person is, this, this personality this is what they do, and this is what's interesting about them. And so you have to do that as a good recruiter to get information. So so I did that, and I was asking her these questions, and she wasn't, she was just talking to a brick wall, and she said, none of this matters. The only thing that matters my technical requirements and the fact that I can do the job. And she was just very, and I was like, well, I, I can't help you if you're not going to be connected with me. How am I supposed to represent you the law firm? And she got real mad, and then the conversation kind of ended i tried to end the friend's work and then after i was done i looked her up and she'd been in all these lawsuits like she'd sued a big law firm that she left and then she'd sued like a beauty parlor for giving her a bad haircut and and so there's just all this stuff and 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 so that was but that was an example of someone that was like it's not about anything else it's only about my technical requirements you're not going to not get it you're going to when you don't get an offer, it's many times about about other things, other than about what your about what about your background specifically. Okay, I'm trying to see um, if I have any questions, any more questions, and it looks like um, we're pretty much done. If no one has any more, I appreciate everyone staying on this call um, as long as you have. This is a there was a lot of good information today, questions, and then next week I don't think I have as much time, but I'll it'll be a quicker webinar. Um, and in a couple of weeks, if you just watch your email, we'll do a resume review. And I think that's always really important to do the resume review because that'll give you a lot of information. Those typically are longer calls and, and that can be real helpful. So I appreciate everybody being on this call today. And then just if you're a VCG person we're working with, just remember we do onboarding calls, which means we talk about how we work with the search. We do that Mondays and then on Tuesdays, we always do a resume review. So you can send a resume to me before that meeting. We do that. And then. Uh, Wednesdays, of course, are this. And then Thursdays, we we do interview prep where we talk about interview questions. And then on uh, Fridays, we have an open meeting again. And then, uh, so those are all important to attend. But uh, I certainly appreciate everybody being on this uh, call today. A lot of great questions. And um, this particular PowerPoint for this will also be put up on the site uh, in the next few days. So you can go through um, a lot of this. But uh, the biggest thing I would say to anybody that is looking for a job and not having luck is just remember that there's kind of all these options of places you can work with, and you definitely need to look at more markets. That's a huge mistake that people make. Thanks again uh, for being on this webinar, and I'll uh, see you here. We'll talk to everyone uh, next week. So thank you.
0: That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.